So yeah, thank you guys uh, for coming to the first Zoom edition of the Purple Nights podcast. I'd done some uh, video chat. I'd done a video chat before with my niece on the YouTube channel a while back. But this is the first formal interview I'm conducting via Zoom. So obviously, if you're watching this on YouTube, thank you very much. If you're listening to the audio on Blog Talk Radio or iTunes, thank you very much. Um, I'm here with Dwayne Tudal, author of the forthcoming book, Prince and the Parade and Sign of the Times Era Studio Sessions. 1985 and 1986. So welcome, Dwayne. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Chris. <clears throat> it's great to be here. It's funny. It's it's funny to hear somebody saying the name of the book. I'm so used to hearing the name of Prince in the Purple Rain. So when I heard you say that, I was going, "Has he got the rain right?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, he does." I, oh I'm, yeah. So I this is one of the first podcasts I've done for the book. So I'm I'm really excited. So thanks. I've been waiting. I've been hoping to do this with you. Been very excited about this. Very, very exciting, and I'm very, very uh, honored that you uh, chose me to be one of the first, among the first podcasts that you're doing for this book. Um, I know that our first podcast that we did was very, very well received, and I got very warm uh, feedback for that, so um, I'm very appreciative, and I'm very appreciative of our friendship as well. Let Absolutely. me say that Absolutely. right off the bat. I was going to say the same thing. Uh, I was actually going to say the same thing. So that's why it's, it's, it's exciting for me because I'm, you're my friend and I enjoy our company. So this is great. Yes. You've been very supportive with the different uh, ideas that I've, I've come at with you for my own personal projects. And, and some of those are still up in the air, but I'm getting... I'm getting re-inspired. I'm getting the wind underneath my sails right now, so to speak. So soon I hope to pick those back up and really hit the ground running with those. But that's for another episode entirely. Well, tell me how I can help. I know I've always said that, but please, please, please tell me how I can help. I'm always happy to help. I will. I will reach out to you most definitely when the time is right. So I, I very much appreciate that. And I appreciate your friendship and your encouragement so thank you so very much um well where do we want to start i mean the the most logical jumping point um you know i had talked before we started about starting with elton john and the forward but let's back up a little bit um with the previous book, I know you're probably tired of of talking about the previous book, but we'll just talk about it in terms of a a transition to this new book. Okay. Um, uh, well, it took you twenty years on and off to write the first book. Yes, and it took you about what three and a half years. Well, to write this one. Yeah, the I mean, I was writing this one. I was researching this one while I was writing the first one. Okay. So the research started about 25 years ago altogether. And that included the book that came out, this book, and maybe even future books. I've been kind of compiling everything. You know, every time I find a quote by Prince 
or one of his band members or people that are in the room, I keep a, a document. I've got this document that's probably about 2,000 pages long of every song oh. I've seen and every quote about it and stuff like this. So when somebody says Computer Blue, I can type in Computer Blue, and it comes up with a, a thing of all the different informa- pieces of information in it. So, Oh, wow, that's yeah. wonderful. Because I was... Yeah. One of my points was going to be throughout the conversation or as part of the conversation, um, you know, take, writing a book like this in three and a half years is a, is a prince-like feat in and of itself. So, I mean, because I mean, there's so much. He was so busy and so prolific with so many things. It's, it's you know, as I said in my review, for my blog, which I'll post a link to that in the description box here if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening on Blog Talk Radio, I'll post it to the Facebook page as well for the Purple Nights podcast. But as I said in as I said in my review, you it's it's um it almost induces motion sickness reading it because there's so many things going on all at once and it's overwhelming, but it's fascinating at the same time. Like how could, how could a human being do all this, do all these things simultaneously? And it's just amazing to read about. So the fact that you were able to, in your research and in your writing, um, break down and, you know, and separate all these things that are happening at the same time and talk about them methodically and efficiently is, is impressive in itself. So I just Thank wanted you. to, to compliment you. you on that because Thank it's you. a, it will, it's quite an accomplishment in and of itself to write a book as busy and as you know, chock full of information and it's detailed as as this one is. I think that um, it's it's funny because, like I said, I've been putting this together for 25 years in some form. I've been a fan of Prince since controversy, so all this stuff is in my head. And like most of us Prince fans, we're filled with little tidbits of of inf- stories. We all read all the articles. We all read the books that come out, or a lot of us do, the liner notes of things. And, and yep. You start to put it, it's a giant puzzle and you start to put the pieces together. When I did a first draft of this, it had all the information, the dates, but it didn't have why. I mean, it's funny when you're doing things like this, it's easy to ask the how questions or the when questions to a certain extent, but it's the why questions that end up being more um, uh, revealing. So when you ask a why question, why did you do this? Sometimes you can talk to members of the revolution or band members. Why did Prince do this? Why did you do this? Why did it happen like this? Those are the most interesting answers because they're revealing what's inside here. When is right. here, you right. know, how is, is with your hands, but why is from your heart and your head. And so when somebody reveals why they did something, why did you paint that room blue? Why did you, you know, exactly. So you understand the person a little bit more. And that's what I wanted to do is not only understand the, um, the music, but understand the man behind the music and why he did right. certain things. And right. again, all this stuff is speculation because I wasn't there. And I'm, I can only go on what the people tell me on what Prince revealed or his lyrics because his lyrics really, in many ways, are like a diary. 
And you look at some of the things right. he says in songs, and you're going, oh, okay, he's upset with somebody here. Oh, he's having a great day. Oh, he had a nice sandwich that day. You know, whatever it is, <laughs> and you're going, oh, okay. And, and the funny thing is, he'll record two or three songs in a day, and so you almost can not just see how he was that day, but see how he was hourly. And you're going, oh, wait, he did this at this time, but then after lunch, he, you know, he did this. And after dinner, he did this. And you're going, oh, okay. Well, he must have had a spicy dinner there because he seems upset, you know, right. or whatever it is. And, and it, 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 it reveals so much about him. But when you start putting that in context of the man's life and the people around him and relationships, I, I really wanted to go out of my way not to make it a, um, a, um, a book about, you know, the dirt and things like that. But I wanted to make sure that I mentioned the people that he was with that affected his music, relationships, um, love interests, his engagement right. with Susanna Melvoin. I mean, to, I want to make sure people like Susanna are really kind of these unspoken people with this. And the revolution is really important during this era. And, and I think that people need to understand how important they were because of the intimacy that he shared with these people. And so right. I interviewed, I've interviewed them. I was able to interview... Um, pretty much all the members of the family, uh, except for Jerome. Um, I interviewed all the members of Apollonia 6, um, and uh, they were wonderful, Brenda, Apollonia, and even Susan Muncy uh, was able to answer some questions. Wow. And that's just, yeah, and, 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 yeah. and, and Apollonia introduced me to Susan Muncy, and, and uh, wow, I'm, what a, both, both of them are incredibly sweet, and, and I'm in, in their debt. I'm in all the debt of all the people that helped. I, I look at the people that... that were kind enough to interview with me and I think you've invited me into your house and I want to make sure I honor what they did historically and for me and this project because I kind of wanted to write a kind of book I wanted to read. Right. I've always wanted to read. I like there's a book about the Beatles, the Beatles studio sessions and it's really good and, I've, and there's a Beach Boys one and the Monkees and all these other bands uh, or Clapton and I like reading what went on to the music. I like the personal things because it makes me go back and listen to the music again a second time oh, with, yeah. New, yeah, with new ears and you, you're going, I never heard that part or I never. And now that you guys have the sign of the times, uh, super deluxe, a lot of the things that you're going to read in this book, you can look up and you can say, oh, he did that. Now I can hear that song. And I understand, you know, when the super deluxe came out, there was a lot of songs on there nobody knew or had heard or even some of them nobody even knew about. Right. And that was kind of fun to um, to be able to talk about some of the stuff, which people had been talking about to me for a while, but it hadn't been out there. So I, I love the fact that people can share in this experience and play the music and li read the book and, and make it a, you know, a thing where you sit down like a big meal. And right. you're like, I got my appetizer here, and I got this, and I'm going to dip this in that. And that's, it's a, at the, by the end of the thing, you should be like rubbing your belly like you've been at a buffet. And that's what my kind of hope is, is at the end of this 700 pages, you're going to say, I need a, I need a break. <laughs> I've, I've yeah. finished. You know, I want that. Yeah. I want people to feel like they've had a, a, a seven-course meal with a dessert and and uh, candles on their cake and blow it out and and have the most amazing meal ever. That's my that was yeah. goal with this. So yeah, and my my immediate thought is, well, I was thinking all throughout when you were saying all that. Um, I don't want to undersell the first book at all because the first book was wonderful, but this book is not only physically bigger, but it's uh, aesthetically more expensive and there's more. There's there's a lot more to 
savor, to use your food analogy, there's a lot more to savor there. And I think it does what a, what a good sequel should do is takes the base of what was great about the original and really expand on that and really expand on the 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 environment the characters you know the the people involved everything like that and and the the set the second book book two does that and it's 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 so it's so extraordinary and so satisfying as a reader to you know read read a book like that you're almost you're almost wondering can this be topped again you know not to put any pressure on you Dwayne oh, but I mean it's 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 like it's like you really really topped yourself and I can't really understate that because it's it's extraordinary like I said not to not to put any pressure on you but just from a standpoint of a follow-up you know, you've really, you've really outdone yourself with this, Thank and you. I, I, I was really, I was gobsmacked when I read the book. I was like, wow, this is, this is everything that I could have expected and more from the, the second book in the series. So I was really, Thank you. I was really pleasantly overwhelmed by it all, but. Well, I was hoping this is, your reaction is, is. When you do something like this, you hope you can do something better. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I learned how to do it from the first book. I, I, the first book is always going to be my baby. I mean, it's my right. first book. So right. I'm always going to have a special part in my heart for, for the first book. What I was able to do with the second book was once I'd established what I was doing, more people came out and more people were open to talking to me. Right. Um, and I got to interview people that, you know, once I was able to give them the first book as a calling card. Here's what I do. Here's what I want to do, and here's the direction I'm going to go. That's part of it. The other part is the Sign of the Times era is really filled with so many amazing stories. Right. And I think I think the, the the fun thing to me is the book is two things. You it's a it's a reference guide, so you can sit there and go, oh, wonder what happened on my birthday. Hey, he he did this on my birthday. That's kind of fun right there. I think everybody's going to look yes. up their birthday. Yes. That's, that's the way it is. Second part is it's a linear story, and if you read it from beginning to end. It tells a story in a way that is told through his music, and it explains a lot about him. And the, the interesting thing about the second book is it doesn't end on a happy note like the first book did. Right. I was going to say that, but I didn't want to spoil it. Well, no, I, I'll, I'll, I'll say it. I, I don't mind spoiling it. If people want to, my thought is if people want to read it, they're going to read the book. I don't right. mind saying a few things in here. I, I'm not one of these right. authors who's going to be saying, you've got to read the book because you know, if you want to read the book, read the book. I'd love you to read the book. It would, be the, right. it would mean a lot to me because maybe I could do a third book. But I'm not going to sit here teasing people going, ooh, this is you. Um, <laughs> the, the, the ending of the book is it's a little bit of a downer because at the end of the book, um, he submitted Sign of the Times to Warner Brothers or Crystal Ball to Warner Brothers. It got turned down. Um, he had to redo it, had to reduce the, the album from this to that, three discs to two discs. His, the revolution was broken up. Yep. His relationship with Susanna was over. Yep. And, and he's really just in, in a holding pattern. And it ends with the last night of uh, this, and, and he's gathering the Sign of the Times band for the very first time for a party. And so you're like going, you know that there's about to be this incredible renewal. 
But at the point that it, the end, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to manufacture a happy ending, because this is the reality. He was in a place that was, I don't want to say dark, but a place that was contemplative, and he had to like reflect. And I think when he's good like that, he can see the way out of any situation and go there. Um, and I well, think that's it, what happens. When you, know? you when you when you say that when you say that a lyric popped in my head, and I'll probably bleep this for YouTube, but. Rebirth of the flesh. He's like, this ain't cards, motherfucker. This is life. Exactly, so, and I think exactly, and he did stuff like that. He would yeah. he would put he would pepper his stuff with little things like that. There's a there's a line in in uh, oh, what was it? Uh, um, it's saying about music. Uh, this is this uh, this is about the music we just want. It's saying about the money we just want to play. Right. Saying almost a dig back at the revolution saying, yeah, you were asking for money. This is not about mon music or uh, money. We just want to play. Right. You know, so he, well, he, you know, I think Susan Rogers, who, by the way, your interview with Susan Rogers is fantastic. And I used elements from that in the book. I just want to make sure I, I threw some props your way because you had a really solid interview with her. And, and I, I used pieces from that in the book. Um, Thank you, you asked so her, much. you asked her really good questions, really good questions. Um, and if you, if you haven't seen that, I was going to say stop this, but wait until the end of this one's done, and then go watch that one because right. it's it's worth seeing. Um, but stick around to the end for this one. Um, but uh, uh, she had said sometimes Prince could be a little bratty, and I can see that. Yes. I mean, yes. you got to imagine the guy's twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven years old, having all this money, all all the fame, and everything he want, and artistic freedom in a way that most artists never get. And and success on a level that most artists will never ever see. Right. He, there's going to be some times when he overextends himself, or or can say, you know what? I mean, there's a part where in the book where some people are talking, and I don't know if I can use these words. Now you mentioned beeping some of this stuff out, but he's sitting there saying, you know, some people are talking, and they're saying, you know, one of the crew members is is kind of a a jerk, let's just say, and yeah. uh, and, and he and walks in. Yeah, an a hole. He walks and Prince walks in. And says, "Who are you talking about?" And and they start they start explaining to him, you know, one of the guys here is an a hole. And Prince says, "Let me get this one thing straight. There's only one a hole around here, and that's me." And it's like, <laughs> you, you, and you realize, oh man, yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, he's he's the kind of guy that could say in the middle of the night, "I need a camel and a camera, and I want you to pick that up in the middle of the night." And 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 the, his people go, "Oh, okay," and they'll do it. That's the thing is you realize, and I think Peggy says this, and Susan Rogers says this, and so many Coke Johnson says this, that when he wanted something, you found a way to do it, and or you weren't around. If you couldn't fulfill that, right. he found somebody who could. And that, right. you know, whether it's Karen Crattinger scheduling a party, you know, at a moment's notice, or whoever it is, this guy was, you know, amazing at finding the right people around him to be able to accommodate his being Prince. You know, and that's right. that's the right. thing is they they I think the important part about a book like this is to show the people around him because he was Prince and he would have been Prince no matter who was around him. But you see how the people around him lifted him up to, and, and took away the other responsibilities so he could be Prince. He didn't have to deal with, you know, little details like that because they were all taken care of by him, right. uh, by, by their friend, right. by the people around him. And I think that made it so that he could record at such a pace. and. You were talking earlier about um, how much he did, and with the book, when you go through it, it's it's it is almost nauseating 
Oh, what you think? When did he get? I, what do you say? I should, really should probably just written when he slept and just had a little section in there. Here's a line from where he slept three hours because you just the whole first chapter. Whole their chapters are are by um, month. You read the whole first chapter. It you can see that he was recording. He was on the road and then recording his own stuff and Sheila's stuff and then sound checks and you're just going, oh my God, this guy just does not stop. He does not no, stop no. and and it's 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 mind-numbing how busy that guy was and it's kind of cool that but you know yeah. so that's that's the fun thing to me is is seeing how detailed um his life was and how busy and how much not just music came out of him but how much great music came out of him right a personal story from my my life recently i i go to therapy every week well now it's virtual but I have therapy sessions every week, and I, I showed my therapist my review that I wrote for the book, and I, I talked to her quite a bit about Prince and Prince's influence in my on my life, and I said something to the effect that I try and I tried to emulate or work toward the sort of level of inspiration and the work ethic that Prince had. I tried to aspire to that but and and she stopped me in the middle of the sentence and said yeah but prince prince was far from a normal person he was almost superhuman in some ways so to try to aspire to that is like trying to you know find a needle in a haystack or something it's no it's, i agree my it's funny because my wife uh has said to me you're you're don't try to be like Prince when it comes to your work. Right. And, and like you were saying, I mean, I certainly wouldn't compare myself to Prince in any any way. Neither uh, would I. I, I would, other than, I other than we either. use the same words in the same language. Right. But, yeah, you know, I, I he's a genius. Time-wise, when you're writing a book like this, it is every day, every night, every weekend, every holiday. And, and so that's what you do. And my wife and daughter are very understanding about the fact that literally, as soon as we're done eating, I go downstairs. I haven't watched TV for about a year or two, for the most part, unless it's like I, I'm, unless I'm done and I cannot do anything. Uh, my my wrists are messed up. I wear wristbands because I've destroyed my my arms from here to here because um, I'm always yeah. always writing. It, it's yeah. it's it is. And you and I have talked about this. It's you know yeah. uh, privately because it's yeah. it's to write. It has to come from here, and you have to bleed. You kind of have to. And I think about how much he worked and I kept thinking somebody asked me one time why do I write about Prince and I was like when you know these kind of stories why how can you not how can you not right. want to share cool stories with people because right. I've gotten so much out of being a fan and how much of, of being um you know somebody who's watched him if I can get back just a little bit of my time and my energy to his legacy I'm 57 now and and you know that was that was where Prince made it to and, yeah. and you go and you go, wow. You know, I, I don't know how he. I don't know how he had that energy because I I get burned out. And but yeah. yet you still see him go, and you're just going, wow. That that guy just, you know, it, it's a. There's a funny story in the book about how good he was with instruments um, that Susan Moonsey tells about. She gives him an uh, at a um, and a steel drum, and she found this thing. She says this is an instrument he's never used. 
<clears throat> I can't yep. wait to see him try to learn it and, and stuff like this. And he sits down, he gets the unwraps and she's like, you like it? You like it? You're going to take a while to learn it, right? And he gets, grabs the sticks and goes, and starts playing it perfectly. And she goes, wait. Oh, that's right. You're Prince. And I just right. thought that to me is so funny because, you know, it's, it's like, how, how on earth did, did uh, um, he know specifically <clears throat> how to do stuff like that? And yet it was in him. And I think that people forget that on top of all that work that he did, he also played and practiced and, and did all that stuff to, to prep for everything. So rehearsals, he would rehearse in front of the mirror and learn, learn his spins. That's why we didn't watch him with a guitar. He's like so fluid because he spent so much time making it right. And, and he did that. So he would look good on stage, but that was for you, the viewer and the, the people who are paying to see him. Right. He understood that he wanted to give this and he didn't want to just go out there and ripped up jeans and and just bang around a little bit he would make it so that what he's giving you is something he's already perfected in private and that i think is, is something that gets lost until you start to see how much the man did and you hear from all the people the engineers band members singers managers uh, studio executives all these people that were involved in these sessions i think i interviewed about close to 50 people that were involved in these sessions and, and right. you sit there going you know in some of these interviews i had like Al Magnoli and I talked for like eight hours. Uh, Susan, Susan uh, Malfoy and I have spoken for, I don't know, probably about 25, 30 hours over time. Wow. Yeah. You know, I, Wendy and Lisa have spent time together. Uh, each one of these people, I, I, and the nice thing is, Susan Rogers, another person, I've flown across the country to have lunch with her um, because I wanted to, to make that connection. And, and right. you find that these people are open to telling the stories if they're being done respectfully. And that's right. the nice thing is if you were telling the story in a respectful way, and granted, there's times in the book that Prince comes off as a little bit of a brat. It's oh, like, yeah. okay, yeah. But, the, but you also see in context why and understand that the pressure this guy was under and you go, oh my gosh. And I think that's one of the things important is because a revolution breaks up in the, in the book. And I don't think I'm giving anything away by telling that, um, <laughs> right. but, but uh, the, uh, you have to see that there's tension there. And you, you can't right. just have a story that has happy, 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 breakup. You have to find why there's doing this. And it's all part of how the music was created. Not throwing shade on anybody. It's telling the story with authenticity and truth as much as possible. And I think that's, I think that's important. I don't want to make him into a, a godlike figure. I wanted right. to make sure people understood this is a man, a genius, uh, who worked harder than almost anybody you'll ever meet. But he also at times struggled at certain things. He wasn't really social. He wasn't really, and, and, and people talk about that. And it's funny because you mentioned the, um, the Elton John um, intro, uh, the forward. Part of that is in there. Um, the first thing that happens in the, in the intro or the forward is Elton John walks up to Prince and says, hi, my name's Elton John. I would like to meet you. And, and Prince goes and just walks away. And you're like, oh my God, you walked away from Elton John, who's one of the biggest musicians of, of my lifetime. Yeah, yeah. And and he just kind of and, and, and Elton was like, okay. And, and and he accepted that because he understood. Susan Rogers talks about that in the book, and other people talk about how he wasn't um, a social creature. He's told his talk, he talked his stories through his music. And often right. often he was he was socially awkward 
and didn't always understand how to um, how to deal with the people at certain levels. And and we all put a, a, um, a certain image of what he's like in our heads, but we're imagining it. They're actually telling the story, and they're the right. people that knew him and loved him, right. and 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 had a closeness to this man are actually talking about them. And that is, I, I so many of these things. I, I when I was sitting there interviewing people, I could sit there and just go, you know, listening to the stories, and I'm thinking, how do I put this in place in the in the things? And and when you finally start to see the puzzle pieces put together, it there's a a magic to it that's revealed. It's like all these things yeah. unlocking, and it's. It's, it just opens up and you're going, oh my gosh, now I see it a little bit more in perspective. Right. And I guarantee you, somebody's going to write another book that has information that I've never even known about. And I, I welcome that and I look forward to that because as much of a writer as I am, I'm a fan of this stuff even more. Right. And I want to know more. I love when Mark Brown writes a book or, or you know, I want Wendy and Lisa to write books. I want Dr. Fink to write a book. I want... You know, I enjoyed Morris Day's book. I love this stuff. Bring it, bring it, bring it. You know? Yeah. So that's yeah, me. I love it too. And, you know, the way you were talking about, you know, telling the story of the man behind the music. Um, in my review that I wrote for my blog, I, I talk about the fact that I really, I really appreciate that this, this book more so than the first book really gets into the psychology of, you know, the pressure Prince was facing and the, the superstar persona versus the, you know, the real man, you know, the superstar persona of Prince versus, you know, Prince, the regular guy. And there's a great quote in there from Lisa that says something to the effect that, I think it was hard for him to decide when he could be, when he had to be Prince the Superstar versus Prince the Guy. And because he gave himself so fully to the Superstar persona. And that's what I mean when this book, when I say this book is more psychologically in depth and more psychologically charged, is it really it really gives you a picture of what's inside Prince's head, you know, his motivations, his fears, his goals, you know, it really gives you a, a quite a, quite a deep picture of all of that. And I didn't mean to say it in a negative sense, but I got, I got feedback from somebody virtually the only negative feedback I've received so far. They were like, Oh, here we go. You know, more armchair psychologists who think they knew Prince and knew what he was about. And I'm not sure I want to get this book. And I was like, oh, my God, that's not what I meant at all. Here's you know? the thing. And that's Here's, not what you meant either, Dwayne, no. as the author. It's just it's, it's so unfortunate how things get misconstrued and misunderstood you know, but i've gotten i got a thick skin about a lot of this stuff mostly uh yeah but I, I saw that comment uh and and i thought about this and if you're not going to get the stories from those who knew them best where are you going to get the stories and that's right. that's the thing i go to but this i quote princess a lot in the book i mean you you see i made sure what i did in if you haven't read either books all of princess quotes are in uh, in in bold 
so that way Which when you see Which is wonderful. Them, it's an excellent, wonderful approach. I just, I just love it. Thank you. I love it's, it. It, it's, it's, it makes it so when you're looking for it, you go, oh, Prince said that. Okay, great. Yes. And, and Prince had a way of saying things sometimes to throw you off track too. I mean, he would say, <laughs> right. look over here and then run this way. You know, that, he would do that. For a guy that is, is um, that confident to be revealing that he's a little nervous, it's kind of nice. And, and, oh. and people seriously do forget that he was a human. And the people that know him best are the people around him. And I'm not, I, for the most part, I don't speculate on anything. I don't really talk about whether this song is great, whether this song is not. I try not to because it's not a, this book is not about me. My thought is as few words as I can put in between quotes, I'm happier. Because I'll step back and let right. these people talk because the, the most fun thing to me is when you hear them talking. There's a, a great story in there, great I think, um, about them recording the song Splash. And Susan Rogers says, okay, there's a, there's a lyric in the song Splash and uh, that he got the thing about the, uh, I forget the word is, uh, wintergreen or whatever it is. But she had that like wintergreen Tic Tacs or something like that or gum in her purse. And she's like, you went right into my purse. You found that. <laughs> and, and, and I think that's so funny because then you start hearing that. Then it comes into a quote about, from Wendy saying, yeah, that's typical Prince. He would do that. And you hear Lisa saying, yeah, we were teasing about that. Yeah, and we're singing a, a gum commercial. He's like, shut up and just sing. And to me, when you hear that kind of stuff, you hear the joy that, that these people had and the closeness and the right. intimacy they shared in a way that I don't think he always allowed out. And I think that um, that part of the thing is what makes the, the book fun. I, I'll tell you, there's times, it's a 700 page book. So when I'm going through proofreading it, by the time I get to the end, there's certain things I may have forgotten, not forgotten, but you know, you kind of, you can only keep so much in your brain, especially my brain. Yeah, it's um, sort of glossed over. Yeah. And, and so I go right. back as I'm reading through, I'm going, oh, that's a good point. You know, and I, I'm laughing going, oh my God, that's a nice little story. In context, sometimes I, I once I finished it, I spent two weeks away from it. Then I went back and proofread it. And I was like, Ooh, I forgot about some of these. There's stories in there. There's a great story that Alan Leeds tells about um, after the Purple Rain tour, they went on, um, they went to, um, uh, I think, um, Rio and uh, to go to the beach. And he has a story about Prince going to the beach. And they went to the beach and the next day Prince said, okay, what are we doing? They said, we're going to the beach. again. nope, done it. I'm going home. And you're like, I'm going to go on vacation for two days. And then you have a quote from David Leonard saying, I was in a club three days after the tour ended. I look over and Prince is standing next to me. I thought, I thought you were at Rio. And he's like, yeah, I got bored. And I'm like, <laughs> but when you hear those kind of things, it's, it's fun to, to, the best stories are, are ones that you told and, and then people adding to the story. So you get a full context in, of, the, of the tale. And I, I just, I love, it's like being in a conversation with a bunch of friends and they say, you know what happened after you left the room? Well, this is what happened. And they go, I'll tell you what happened when I drove him home that night. It's, it's all those things making a big goulash that you just store together, a big gumbo. You know, that, that to me is the fun thing for this. Yeah, so. yeah. Speaking of, speaking of stories, the one, that, the one that sticks out to me, the one that I really loved that really made me laugh was about the... the uh, Stuffed Penguin that's actually credited as one of the background singers for Housequake. Um, <laughs> that story is great. And I I still wish they would have gotten Prince when they tried to get him. But, of course, 
you know, he was like, don't even try it. So Yeah, but so people understand what the story is, is there was a penguin, the stuffed penguin that they were using, that was in the studio, and they would take pictures of people with it. If you fell asleep, they'd get a picture of you with the penguin, and they kept all these pictures, and they kept trying to get Prince to do this, and crying, and, and finally they snuck in, got him, and he had his head down, and he lifted his head up and says, don't even try it. You know, and, and he's like, you're not going to get over on him. And you're right. That is, those kind of stories to me are Prince the Man right. as opposed to Prince the, the Superstar, which is all you and I would ever know as Prince the Superstar. Right. We know – and that's why it's, it's very poignant to me on top of that because of all the people I interviewed, they all dealt with the loss of a friend. Right. Whereas we, we deal with the loss of an icon. The guy who brought us music, guy we go to see in concert, the guy whatever it was, but we were always one removed at least. Right. We were we were, we were on we were never on stage, um, so when you can talk to the people that stood next to him on stage, and find out what he did before he went on stage, after he went on stage, the, the, that night on the bus down the plane, you, you go oh okay I I kind of get a little bit more about why this guy was so revered by mu other musicians, by fans. And by critics, you don't get many people, musicians that, that get that. You have mostly right. ones that have two of the three, but rarely ever do you get all three. You get the whole stool that can stand there, but yeah. you, you rarely ever get that. And there's not a lot of performers that have all three of those in, in, his, in, in, in the amount that he has. And right. that's why I think you know, there's nobody like him. There will be nobody that is like him. We'll have other musicians we love. But there will not be – there's a reason why Elton John wanted to write a foreword for this. And it wasn't me. I'll tell you that. It wasn't me. He read the book He read the book before he wrote the foreword. Um, let me give you some background on that because uh, I love this story. I, I'm, I'm insanely proud that, that Elton John wrote the foreword for this book. But again, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, know, I, know it wasn't, I know it wasn't about me. I know this. Uh, about a year ago, um, he – Elton John did a, uh, um, a fundraiser on TV for – um, the WHO and we're watching this and my wife and I are watching this and I said to her, wouldn't it be cool if Elton John went the forward? And we started laughing because, you know, that's like, that's like shooting past the moon. And we were laughing about it. the next day, a friend of mine named Matthew Betone, um, reached out to me and said, how do you feel about Elton John writing a forward to your book? Now, Matthew, I've known since the nineties, early nineties, we've been friends since diamonds and pearls. And, and, uh, um, is it funny how we date things? By album, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, we're yes. Francis Diamonds and Pearls, um, and everybody knows that. Oh, that must be 1990, 1991. Um, but he said, "Well, how do you feel about that?" I said, "Yeah, I think obviously that'd be really cool." And so, from March of last year until January of this year, we were working on it. And I literally did not seek out somebody else besides that after that because I thought that's Plan A. I don't want to spend any time on Plan B. So back in September, I sent him a copy of the book, an early draft of it. Um, they were looking at it. We were going through all this stuff, and we didn't know. I mean, literally, I was getting to the point where I have to deliver the book, and I didn't have a forward. And I thought, well, you know what? You shoot for it, and sometimes you, you miss. And then I got an email from Matthew who said, read this, and it was submitted to us. And I, it, it made me cry. I literally walked up uh, to my wife, and I said – I started reading it, and tears going down my face because I – first of the joy of this. Second of it's so poignant and so touching to hear – an international superstar on the level, uh, even above Prince in many ways of sales and stuff like this. I didn't realize Elton John sold like 300 million albums. That's a lot, you know, and, and 
yeah, that's a that's a lot. And and so to, for him to do that, it, it, it blew my mind because I look at the cover of the book and it has Prince, Elton John, Dwayne Tudal. And I'm laughing going, you know, one of these things is not like the other, <laughs> you know. And so it's like it's 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 insanely cool. I am Matthew. I'm in debt to for the rest of my life. Um, and, and, and Elton John as well, all the people around him, his husband, everybody that was involved with that. I, 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 I cannot thank them more, you know, enough. I could literally be sitting there saying, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Until the day I keel. And I still would say, ah, missed it. Didn't get enough thank yous in there. Cause that, that's yeah. how, that's how grateful I feel about this. Yeah. So. Yeah. And one, one thing I wanted to tell you too, reading the book and finding finding out more about what Prince was like personally and Prince the man, it gave me it gave me some close some much needed closure that I've needed since Prince's passing because ever since I was around twelve years old, um this would be the symbol the love symbol <laughs> love symbol <laughs> album. Ninety two. So you're born in like 1980. You're born around yeah. controversy, I'm a, dirty I'm mind. A, I'm a dirty mind baby. <laughs> I was going to yeah. say, you're a dirty mind baby. Yeah. So, so ever since I was 12 years old, I had, the, I had the dream to sit with Prince and have a discussion with him, sort of like we're having now, but, but on obviously on much deeper things like uh, inspiration, um, hope, perseverance, work ethic, um, most of all, God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted to tell him, tell him my story, and and personally interact with him, and be, be you know, have my story be acknowledged by my hero. And I know Prince hated the the concept of idol worship and all that, but I've got to be true to myself and true to my words and. He was literally for me, and still is, a hero. I, I agree with that. Yeah. So I always, I always carried with me this hope or this aspiration to sit down with him and and talk. You know, like to, you know, not not you know, fan to superstar or anything like that sort of dynamic, but just two people, two creative people. Two sensitive people, two sensitive guys that that just loved music and loved loved people and loved God. And I always had the hope and the expectation of that happening in my life. And the the closest I got to it was July 26, 2014 at Paisley Park. Um, Candace Springs, who's a jazz keyboardist, for, originally based out of Nashville, was was Prince's guest that evening, and she was playing a set with, I believe it was John Blackwell on drums and Andrew Goucher on bass, and I know I'm forgetting somebody in there, but and she was on keys and vocals. Wow. And um, I was at the right side of the room close to the wall and uh, Prince was up against the wall playing a kielbasa 
And Dwayne, I don't know if you know what that is. It's an instrument similar to a, a maraca. It's kind of a percussion instrument, a shaker like. Mm -hmm. um, you hold it in one hand and manipulate it. Yeah, I didn't think you were thinking about the meat, kielbasa. I... Yeah, no, not the sausage, but the actual percussion yes, yes. instrument. Yes. But yeah, so he was playing that, um, just enjoying himself. And I was thinking to myself, you know, I was, I was watching him because he was, he was, you know, a few feet away and I was watching him and I was thinking, wow, I wonder, I wonder if he possibly see me and come over and talk to me. And, you know, I just had that fleeting thought in my head, like, wow, I wonder if this can happen. And just as I was thinking that, in my peripheral vision, I saw Prince take notice of me and all of a sudden float. He didn't walk. He floated. He floated over to me and was was two feet in front of me or maybe even less. I can't even, I my depth perception and everything else was totally off in that moment. I mean, I was just totally lost to any of my faculties, but he was standing in front of me, offering me the, the kielbasa, and I only realized in hindsight that he was actually offering it for me to keep as a keepsake, as a memory. I, in the moment, I thought he was just offering it for me to, you know, to play a little bit and then, and then hand it back. But people told me after the fact, they were like, no, he was giving it to you. And I was like, oh, man. Man. Oh, what a what a regret! But I I'm so self conscious about my body having cerebral palsy and the way the way my fine motor skills are are affected and the way my hands don't work as well as I'd like them to. That my mind was racing a mile a minute, and I was thinking, do I really want to risk trying to take this instrument and look? look awkward or look clunky in front of Prince trying to play this thing. So I just sat there and as all these thoughts were racing into my mind, you know, what do I say? What do I do? I was just sitting there grinning like an idiot. And Prince was smiling back at me like, hey, you know, good to, good to see you. I love your smile. And, you know, but he didn't say a word. It was all nonverbal. Wow. And I was thinking, you know, should I, should I try and talk to him? Shouldn't I, you know, it's like, it's like the, the, uh, lyric from joy and repetition. Uh, should I try to rap to her? Should I stand and stare? Um, you know, it was all these thoughts going through my head and I realized that, you know, the music was going on, the performance was going on. Candace Springs and the other musicians were, were playing, so the music was quite loud. And I'm like, I'm, I tell myself, you know, I can't yell over the music to Prince, you know, and scare him off like he would be like a deer in the headlights, you know, and his eyes would go, you know, as, as big as saucers and, and he, would, he would take off. You know, so I was like, in my head, I was like, I can't risk that. So I, I just sat there and smiled at him. Then 
I, my sister Paula, who I believe you've met, mm -hmm. um, she was with me at the Prince from Minneapolis Symposium, right, right. along with my mom. Very nice. Very, I like them both, yes. And she was sitting behind me, and so I looked, I looked in Paula's direction, like, and I didn't say anything, but it was a look like, you know, what do I do? What do I do next? And Prince caught that, and his gaze shifted to Paula, and Paula was like, you know, she was absolutely, she was absolutely, you know, gobsmacked. She, she forgot, she forgot her name. She forgot how to speak, how to form words. So it was like, you know, she sat there and stared at Prince. And this, all, all of this, all of the story that I'm telling transpired within a, within a moment of like 20 seconds, 15, right. 20 seconds. And it's like, so Prince is looking at my sister. My sister is doing nothing. He looks at her for a few seconds and then shrugs his shoulders lightly and walks away. So that was it. So I probably would have done the same thing though. Prince is handing you something. I probably been like, I, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Yeah. I think so, all of us have a conversation in our head. We expect to have with them. Then the reality, which you got much closer than I ever did. The reality is like, I, I messed that up. That was nothing. Like it's like, it's like meeting, uh, uh, you know, it is. It's meeting somebody that you've thought about the conversation with have many times. We'd sit right. down, we'd rap in, and 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 go. No, I guess not. Right. But so, yeah. but I I always have that memory. And, and going back to your book, reading about how non-social he was and how socially awkward he was, gave me a sense of closure because I was like, even if I would have had that opportunity it probably wouldn't have lived up to my expectations and what I had built in my mind because Prince wasn't a, you know, he wasn't a social person. He could communicate non-verbally. He could communicate through his music. Um, but, you know, as far as, as far as socially, you know, sitting there having deep conversations which he has done with bandmates and stuff yeah, like I sure. I know about that people that he was, you know, really close to, um, wasn't really wasn't really the norm for him. So so reading reading about that and that quality that he had sort of gave me the closure that I needed to sort of move on and heal from that regret of not not being able to have that conversation. So I just want to thank you for that, thank you. for the closure. Wow. That's, that, a, that's a heavy thing. Wow. Thank you. The closure that you gave me and sort of the peace that you restored to my heart, to my soul. So. Wow. Uh, Chris, this, you never told me this. And we've talked many times, many late nights we've been on the computer together. Yeah. Uh, and, and I had no idea about this. I knew the story because we've, we've talked about it privately. But yeah. Man, it's, it's, I, this is why I'd say you got to read, write a book, man. That's, you know, <laughs> and, and every time I talk to you, I probably say the same thing. I'm a broken record. You know, right. uh, if I can write it, anybody can write it. Trust me. Trust right. me. And, you and know. Not to harp on myself, but that's the main reason, the main thrust um, of why I want to write a book because I want to have that if if only in a symbolic sense 
I want to have that conversation with Prince that I never got to have. So right. Um, right. the book itself, you know, to sound selfish, but it really is deep down it's selfish, but it's a way for me to have the conversation with Prince that I always dreamed about and that I always aspired to. Um, and I, I told my, my therapist to get, to get back to that. I told her, you know, it really shouldn't matter to me what anybody else thinks or how it's going to be received. Of course, I want the book to be received well, and I want it to impact people, and I want people to see my story and be be touched, be moved, be motivated to sort of look within themselves and reach their higher self like I have been able to through being a fan of Prince so many years and following the example that he not only set through his music, but also through his behavior, you know, stuff like asserting his independence in the whole slave era mm -hmm. and, you know, speaking up for artist rights and stuff like that. That's a, that's a level of confidence and a level of independence that I aspire to. And I want to tell my story um, for that reason as well, to maybe uplift somebody or motivate somebody to tap into their own, their own spirituality and their own personal power, personal confidence. But I mainly want to tell the story just to, just to talk to Prince and say, Hey, Prince, I'm finally talking to you. I'm telling you my story. I'm, you know, um, I'm living out something that I've dreamed of living out since I was 12 years old. And it's all, it's all for you, for love of you and your work. And, and let me add something. Can I add something? Do it. Sorry, let me add something to that. You, you had mentioned that you were worried about it, not I say worried, but you, you felt like writing the book would be a little bit of a selfish thing. And, and I hadn't thought about this before, but actually, writing a book is a selfish thing in some ways. I mean, it's, it's a giving thing, right. but there's a certain selfish thing to it because I'm writing a book and thinking, I would like you to buy this or go to the library and spend a week or two reading my thoughts. Right. And, that, and so, so any book or any record or anything like this, is, it's a bit of selfishness to it. Even putting on a concert, I'm going to go on stage and I'm going to sing a song that I wrote myself and I want you to be out there. I want you to pay me to come see this. So there's a certain aspect of, of any sort of artistic endeavor, art. I painted a picture. Yeah, I, painted, I didn't paint that, but the guy that painted that thought, somebody's going to pay me money to do this. I'm incredibly, you know, and, and, and I don't even notice that picture now. But it's one of these things that it's, there's, a, there's a selfishness about art, but there's also a giving thing about art. And I think that's what the, the angle that to take is there are people, like you said, who will, who will hear your story, or in my case, hear the stories of the people around Prince and Prince that will be inspired. And there's artists out there, and there's people that, that, you know, that will hear and take little kernels. That I read almost every book I read, I find a piece in it that I can take with me. And sometimes it's a scary book or a historical book. Uh, I've read, you know, I like, I like historical books, Wright Brothers, you know. Yeah, uh, 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 Teddy Roosevelt. I like books like that, and so yep. when I see those and, and and I'm able to be in the room with them, I feel like I know them better and I understand their decisions. and And when you know the person better, 
whether it's Prince or you or whoever it is, there's um, a nugget you can take away from it. I just watched the documentary about uh, uh, Mr. Rogers. And it's a great documentary. And they talk oh, about yeah. his, his, his weight was 143 every time, his whole life or most of his adult life. And he said the reason why he wanted to maintain that was because 143 meant I love you. And it was his way of expressing that. And I thought, oh, my God, that's a fascinating way to think about his weight being 143, I love you. I thought, oh, my God, I would never have thought of that. But this is his piece. And I, I, I took that with me. So – I, I like that kind of stuff. And, and I'm hoping that there's stories like that in this book where you sit there going, oh, that's what he means by that. That's why he said this. That's why, yeah. you yeah. know, the song says this or, or, um, and there's, there's times that you go, okay, he's just in the studio jamming. And there's other times that he's in the studio telling and conveying and, and laying it bleed onto, onto tape so he can, he would do a song sometimes that he would take a song just to record it just so he could hand it to somebody just say this is what i'm thinking this is where i am at the moment and and that had to be incredibly uh um difficult and at the same time incredibly important when he did that i mean they, there's a uh, part where he talks about that in this book where he recorded um empty room and it was at uh bobby and vicky's uh wedding uh reception and in the middle of that, he basically, he and Susanna were fighting. And he says, uh, band meeting, we're going back in the studio to record. And they're like, uh, what? This is, a, this is a big day. And um, the, he, he had them all record Empty Room. And it was because he was breaking up in his heart with Susanna. They were struggling. And then he wanted to just give her the tape. And I'm like, it was that important. But you could see how that could be seen as selfish a little bit. because, But it right. was also his way of giving art. So I would right. say that... Um, to think of things as, as selfish, I get it, but it is also a, a matter of giving. Artists give, and 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 mostly selflessly. But there's a selfish aspect to it. So, but right. but when you see that he do that stuff, you realize, oh my God, this guy's this guy's a person, and he's not a god, uh, infallible um, deity. Right. He is a guy who would, you know, if he made mistakes, he made them in private. You know, that was when he recorded. Right. I think Susan Rogers says that when he's recording, he would record by himself so that if he made a mistake, he erased it without an audience. And you go, oh, okay, I got it. That's why he would drill the band and make them so that you've got to do this. And then he'd perform yeah. with them, but they were tight. You know, you listen to songs like Soul Psychedelicide and you go, oh, it's him drilling the band. Good, learn this. And it's probably not that much fun for the band. You know, when they're talking about being for eight, nine hours, and I think Brown Mark says you'd go out and get a sandwich, you know, walk, still be playing bass and walk up and grab a sandwich and be eating that while he's playing because the just rehearsal would last so long. Yeah. Or, or I think Wendy or Lisa were saying, you know, how you would, you would, uh, he would sometimes just get into a loop for two hours where he's just working on his dance moves. And you're like, oh, okay. And they're just doing, you know, three or four, um, you know, stanzas or, or you know bars of it and you're going oh okay that's why he did that because he just wanted to get into a deep groove and then just sit there and go and then when you can the cool thing about prince and you know this one of the fun things for me is when he get into a groove that might be based on this song it right. morphs into another song and you're going right. all of a sudden you start hearing this new thing come to life you know and right. he's 
life in this and the band is feeding it and it's getting oh it's it's adding you know spices and all this stuff and by the end it's like this different groove and you're going oh my god and, and you're sitting there going i can't stop moving i can't I, I, my my head everything about me is just wants to dance and i'm still sitting there in my chair going i don't want to dance yet but but you just it's it's it is infectious and yeah and and it's one of these things that it's tough to explain to somebody because you can just do a groove and just let it sit or you can do a groove and and add some chicken grease and things like that and all of a sudden it's it's this new thing and and the revolution was so good at that and new power generation everybody's he he found ways to work with every group of people he's with right. and that i think is the important thing is is people ask me why I'm, I'm focusing on the revolution well they have revolution was the band at that time and they were perfect for where they were and then the side of times band was perfect for where they were and love sexy band was perfect for you know it's he found a way to incorporate these people into what he did and right. this is sort of their story of how he would accommodate this person's skills this person's weakness into his his thing and 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 unbelievable that he could do a tour in I think the tour in 82 which is the uh, 1999 purple rain uh parade sign of the times and love sexy all very different tours some with different people i don't know if the same right. group was in any of those tours i think he had different people in everyone at least somebody different tours with different stage different uh running different uh songs different everything and, different and style different aesthetic everything yeah and that's all within five six years to do yeah five major tours on top of all those albums and you just go oh my god how on earth did this guy do this you yeah. know it's a beautiful thing because you just you see that he wouldn't let uh, i've gone to see bands and you see them once and you see them three years later the same show same show prince you can see the next night as a different show and yeah. that's that's that when you think about what this guy did and that's why like you or i could go to and listen to every show on a tour and still be excited about it. Right. That doesn't happen with a lot of artists. You don't get many artists. Bruce Springsteen does that. Other people do that. Grateful Dead probably does that. But you don't get a lot of artists that literally put it all at risk on stage that night and then change it the next night and, 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 and do it again. They're taking this huge chance and the trust he has in not only himself, but the people he's chosen to share the stage with him. And he right. did. If you're on stage with Prince, there's a reason why you're on stage with Prince. Right. And that's that's the way it is, you know. So right. you know. Right. And I think I think the book communicates all that in a way that's that's captivating, that's fascinating, and that just keeps you wanting more. So I'm I'm uh, you know, the book isn't even isn't even out yet. I've already read it and I I I feel like I feel like Prince in a way, like, like, okay, I've done this. It isn't out yet, but I'm already moving on to the next thing in my, Stop. mentally in Stop. my head, you know, it's <laughs> like, okay, so what's next? But yeah, I, I'm just saying that sort of in jest, of course, but. Do you um, want to know what's, do you want to know what's next? Yes. You, you don't, you don't like surprises. <laughs> um. To quote Prince, uh, I'm, I'm toying with the idea of doing another book, uh, and I've already started drafting it together for uh, – it would either be like 87, 88, or 87, 88, 89. I'm not sure what. So it would be um, Silent Times Tour, Love Sexy, Black Album, 
and that would be one. Or I might add Batman in there. I'm not sure what. It depends on. I'll, I'll know as I'm. I'll know as I'm writing it. You know, I'm. I'm. I, it's gonna yeah. be. It's, it takes. It literally takes about two or three years to to really get something. And even even with this, I'm like going. I wish I would have had another month on it because there's there's a few little things I look at and go, ooh, I had that, you know, yeah. just a just a little typo there or or little things, but it's it's, it's a quarter of a million words. You know, there's yeah. going to be an occasional time that this word went here, or or right. this, right. you know, like uh, there's a, a one or two things I'm going, it's painful because I have friends that read it now and go, ooh, you know, you 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 this it should be this, and I'm going, oh, but in the context of the entire book. There's a, a story and a truth right. and a, and a uh, fact-based thing that I try to maintain. Um, but I, I, I would like to do another one, but I also would like to take a week off, if that's okay. Yes. <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely yeah. go to Rio and stay there for two days <laughs> for and then get bored and come exactly. back. Exactly. Yeah, I, 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 I like doing the books. I, I One of the coolest things is all the people I get to meet, um, not, just, not just the people that did that. Um, but that were there because it's, it is fun getting to know the revolution or the time or the family or things like this. What's also fun to me is getting to know you and getting to know people. When we go to celebration, I'm sad that there wasn't a celebration this year right. and last year, because I miss seeing people like you. I miss going to these events and, 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 and hanging out and seeing people and, and getting a chance to talk in a way that's relaxed right. and, and people coming up and saying, I really like this or, you know, just being able to talk to somebody about music and, and somebody, you know, when you're talking to somebody who, who's big on this, they'll throw a reference out to a, a B-side, a lyric from a B-side. Like I heard a symbol or a, symbol, a siren a few minutes ago and I was thinking, better call the law, you know, or things like this that you're all of a sudden you start laughing to yourself going, <laughs> you would get that. Oh, a lot yeah. of people watching this would get that. But there's a, a language that's not spoken, that's spoken in our family that we get. Right. And, it's cool being around that kind of love, understanding, acceptance, and non-judgment. And I, and, I, and I can go into a room, and I've said this before, but I can go into a room of Prince fans and know that I've got 75% in common with them. We might disagree on politics. We might disagree on world events. We might disagree on anything, but we have this basis that we want to jam with this, and we want to extend his legacy, and we are united in this and the sad thing right now is all of us are going through still five years on that he's passed almost all of us are still in the grieving stage then in the denial right. stage where right. we're still to the point where if he came out tomorrow and said ah i prince was dead i'm back and we'd all be like i knew it because in our hearts we haven't yet said i accept that he's gone and i right. haven't and I think I don't know if I've met a Prince fan, a, a hardcore Prince fan, that is, can honestly say, I've accepted this because I have, and and right. it's it's tough because to walk around with holding the weight of this sometimes is very tough, and it's one of these things yeah. you can't talk to about people that aren't Prince fans because they'll go, all right, you know, get over mm -hmm. it, and you're like, yeah. no, right now I don't want to, and I can't, and so. It's um, something we all share. That's you know. basically what my dad was like about a week after he passed. I was still, I was still, I was still breaking down, crying, and he was like, "Get over it," you know. Exactly. It's like, exactly. It's like you don't understand. It's like, <laughs> this guy spoke to me. Yeah. No. It, it, it's exactly. And I, I think that that's the, one of the things that unites all of us. And when we go to celebration and and things like this, it's it's there's a a connection. 
that we all are thinking we should be wearing black still because there's a there's a feeling of, of being around people that not only want to celebrate him and not mourn him but celebrate him and and extend what he did it's he did the work now it's time for us to do the lifting that he can't do and and so we turn people on to music all the time i got an 11 year old daughter that i'm playing you know she loves manic monday but she's like dad i'll never like prince like you do and like one day you'll be writing books honey you know and and so it's 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 that kind of stuff and the fun thing is i actually on each cover of my book i have a little thing where i have my daughter's name really small Oh, really, really tiny. And so that she can look at these books for years and go, ah, there's my name. And I, I like doing that. And, and oh, by the way, I want to, the covers of these books, I want to say this, a guy named Rev is, uh, is, yeah. is, 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 is honestly one of the most talented guys I could ever dream of doing this kind of stuff. His, yeah. his, his work is always exciting i mean every time i think the first book i thought oh my god i'm not gonna top this second book i was like oh my god and we you know we'll go back and forth i'll give him a, a picture we'll bounce ideas off each other and it's so good and and the same with the people that i have that that uh, i want to make sure i mention this the people that i have that um help me with the book when it comes to research i have uh yeah. yost and cam and and thomas and and uh D and and uh, D'Angela and uh, um, Scott, it, it's just these guys are uh, and Craig. These are all guys. Their names are in the book. These are people that every week I talk to. These, and sometimes several times a day when it comes to these things. They've read the book many times, trying to find the facts and trying to make sure that that because I only know so much. I mean, I have to admit, I know some cool things, but this is like the guy that you know people work on Prince Vault and things like that that you know that that literally give me their time. Right. to make these things right and and in the context of 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 life you want to make sure that you get these things right because if it it it, it honors him to 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 work as hard as you can not everything's gonna be right you know you you're gonna have little things that somebody says i don't remember that or whatever but you really try so hard to make sure you you catch it and and i think that that's important so i'm always grateful to everybody that's that's helped on these books because it it could not be, I happen to be on the cover. That doesn't mean that I did everything. And and right. that's important to me that people understand this because these these things are proofread and, and gone over. And sometimes they'll point things out to me. I'm going, oh my God, how did I miss that? How did I, yeah. how, you know, because we all know this much, but you get mm -hmm. everybody together, you know that much. And and right. so that's where I am with this stuff. So I'm, right. I'm you know, so I'm, I'm grateful if people, you know, enjoy it i'm hoping i can do a, a third one i hope people like it i hope people walk away with a new appreciation of him about the music and, and they go and find this music they go and buy this music they go and seek it out dust off their old <sighs> dust off their old albums and play their 45s and or go to youtube and find this stuff or, or find wherever it is because right. this stuff is not it, it's not that it was vital this stuff is vital and that's the thing is it, it needs to maintain. And, and one other thing is every time Prince comes out with a new thing, even five years after he's gone, how many big events have we had since then? 1999 album, Sign the Times album, Welcome to America this summer. There's a lot that we're now discovering that right. is that should be known. And how many times do you see Prince on the cover of a magazine? Every year. 
You yeah. know, Uncut Magazine has him on the cover at least once a year. He's not the only, there's only 12 rock stars, but he's on the cover almost every year. <laughs> Rolling Stone gets him on the cover. All these things. It's like, yeah. wait a second. How on earth do you get a guy that five years after his passing, he's still on the cover of these every year? And the things yeah. he does is still a big event, newsworthy, magazine worthy, book worthy. You know, 60 Minutes just a story about him. Yeah. You know, and it's a great story. And, and you just yeah. you look at this and you go, that's him. That's the legacy of Prince. And the legacy of Prince is all here with us, but we're all discovering it too. We're all passionate. And, and right. it, it, it's, it, there's, there's so much to him and so much music to him. It's impossible to, to, to get it all in, period. Right, right. Two things I wanted to talk about before I let you go. Sure. One of them is... Um, and I'll be talking about this on the next podcast that I do. I'm, I'm doing a podcast with uh, uh, Kristen Schaumler. I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. Um, she's a historian. She used to work for the Minnesota Department of Transportation. Okay. She's done a lot of work about um, designating historic sites around the Minneapolis and suburbs the Prince was involved with and drawing attention to those. And she's one of the organizers of the uh, Prince 78 to 88 academic oh, conference okay. that's coming up in June. Are you in that? And No, but I know you're a part of it. Um, I wasn't able to get in a submission in time, but I'm hoping to participate in future events like that because academia surrounding Prince really excites me and really sure. makes me appreciative of, of the work that so many really talented, Absolutely. gifted Absolutely. people and researchers are putting out there. And if I could, you know, lend my voice to a small corner of that, you know, that's very gratifying for me as well. Right. So um, I love... Prince Academia in general, and I'll be talking with, I'll be talking with uh, Kristen in about a week or two. That's great. So look forward to that. I don't know if you wanted to tell them a little bit about your presentation that you'll be doing at the at the not, conference. No, not a word. Not a word. Okay. No, no I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I haven't written it yet. I haven't written it yet. I okay. I, I, I was I was walking around uh, today, thinking in my head, what can I do? Because I originally I was going to do something where I videotape something i'm like i gotta talk i, I just just realized about a week ago i gotta talk for 20 minutes i'm like i mean obviously i talk you can see that i'm a talker right um and and i talk fast so i'll probably go through the script <laughs> very quickly <laughs> like oh my god this was the last 20 minutes it's been four minutes um and then i gotta you know juggle or something for 15 minutes <laughs> um um, but I, I don't know. I've got, I've got some things I want to talk about. Mostly it's, it's some of the stuff. I, maybe I'll just play this, 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 uh, podcast. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, mostly it's about his, what he said, his music and what he said in the lyrics to his music and referencing yep. the places that you can hear him growing. I mean, if you compare things like, uh, the early version of, uh, I can never take the place of your man and the bigger one, it's very similar, except there's a line in the beginning that says, but I'll try. And he doesn't do that in the other one where it's like, right. oh, 
You know, it's like, yeah, I'm not going to try. You know, and, and so you realize you start to see things in his, in his growth and his words right. that he reveals in ways that he didn't. One of the, um, uh, and this is just me thinking of stuff off the top of my head. I made, none of this may make the speech. I don't know. Um, but he, I think it was uh, somebody said, I want to say Susanna said that for a guy that didn't talk, this is how he communicated. Right. He communicated through his music and, and expressed right. himself through that in a way that's safe. You know, it's a very safe way to play because all of a sudden he's a character or this is a, this is a story told by this person. So I think that that's a, a you know, or, or just you don't realize he's actually throwing a, some shade at somebody. And, right. you know, he did that with – he threw shade at Morris. He threw shade at, at uh, Jesse. He threw shade at, at uh, St. Paul Peterson. He just mm-hmm. – you know, he did that. And, and yep. I think it's important to understand context that if he wrote a song about you or had you mention a song, you meant something to him in some form. You know, yeah. he doesn't just talk yeah. about anybody. CJ he would record talk about, you know. Right. And, and, and so you, you know that he was – he was – impacted by you if you got a reference to him in a song and i think that i wanted to really play with that and go you know through a little bit of that wally is an important song um because he trusted wally he was around wally and that's where he was like you know and and so you you hear some of the things he's saying these songs where he's he's calling out and we it's so funny because we don't hear this stuff most of the time and you listen to songs like uh um if i was your girlfriend and at right. first, people think, oh, that's a really nice song. If I was your girlfriend. And then you start listening to the lyrics and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not nice at all. He's kind of saying, you know, would you run to me if somebody hurts you, even if that's somebody was me? Well, wait. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, so, so you, he's expressing this stuff in a way that is authentic to him. But as an outsider, sometimes you may look at it and go, what? You know, uh, what's the other song? Uh, a Big Tall Wall. Uh, stone circle yeah. so you can't get out that's what true love is about and i'm like no no that's not what true love is about at all actually D- putting somebody in a big tall wall a stone circle not able to get out is it's not in fact it's just the opposite of what true love is about you know so that kind of stuff you just go oh he's expressing this in his, in his songs in a way like i said that's very authentic to him right. but it may right. be completely alien to us going I, if I said that to my wife, I'm going to put you in a stone circle so you can't get out. She'd be like, "No, <laughs> I don't think so." So she that would be like, she would be like Prince with the penguin. She would be like, "Don't even try it." Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you know that that's exactly right, and and you realize that that the stories he's telling, you know, whether it's Dorothy Parker where he probably had an affair and he's telling the story of the affair, or other things, you go, "Oh." He's just expressing what's in his. You got to imagine this is a guy that is is. Um, if you're going to be making this much music for and and you know for the se- the second book has uh, the flesh, Madhouse, uh, Sheila, um, family stuff, uh, stuff several albums by him. Um, what else? Jill Jones. Uh, Jill Jones is in there. Uh, yeah, uh, you get all these different layers of stuff in there, and you're going. He's got to write all this stuff. He's got to keep coming up with stuff. You, you, if you're a machine and you've got to do this, you got to feed the machine sometimes. So anything people say, a joke or anything, kind of goes into this this machine and gets spit back out. It's it's where he is. If somebody says something, you know, he's on stage and starts singing "Poor Goo," you know, that's a guy he works with or things like that. Is it's, it's 
this is, and that's not in the book, but that's, that's a much later era, but you get the idea that this guy. Yeah, or like big old soul sister. Big old soul sisters. And and I think, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and you hear that doing that live. He's like, <laughs> big old soul sisters. And and it's, it's there's a joy to what he's doing, but it's from here. It's, it's he, it almost right. like he doesn't have a filter when he's up on stage. And, and he's just saying stuff. And, and most of it is just so good because he's, he's so good at this. But when you look back at some of the lyrics, you're going, "Whoa, what? Okay." I mean, it, well, I don't think. I, I think it's just where he was, and 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 his music was a diary at times, and I think that's an important thing. So that's pretty much what my talk is going to be about. If I can stretch that for 20 minutes, great. I may talk for three minutes and then do 25 minutes of questions. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's easier for me to answer questions than. than well, that's yeah. that's great. I already got my ticket a couple of weeks ago, so. Good. Good. So I'm, I'm it should set be fun. up. I'm ready it should be for fun. it. So and there's some good people speaking too. There's some really good people oh, speaking. Oh yeah. So and and yeah. like you said, the academia. I I love listening to like D'Angela Duff. I love listening to her. Uh, Anil Dash. I love listening to it. There's certain people that you know I love what they bring to the table with the research because they they'll, they'll come up with things. Uh, Kanisa Williams. Um, yes. th they will come up with things that I would never have thought of. And I'm going, oh, my gosh, that is so profound. And, right. you know, I love – this is why I enjoy watching your interviews and stuff like this. The the perspective you bring, just like Michael Dean or, or you know, uh, Christopher Arnell or whoever it is, bring things to these to the table that right. I might not – and I might not have gotten. And the questions – like I said, some of the questions you asked for Susan Rogers, I sat there going, oh, my gosh, that's – a question I wouldn't have thought of, and it made it in the book. If you look in the back of the book, you'll see I reference um, reference your stuff. So I, I make sure that and, – and the other thing is when I do quotes from other people, I want to make sure I share some love because right. you, you did the work. Why would I want to take credit for your work? I want to make sure everybody sees that, oh, okay, this is your work. I want to make sure that, that uh, there's uh, – and if you – here's the funny thing. If you make a quote with uh, Susan Rogers and I got a quote from Susan Rogers and yours is better, I'm using yours. And I'm going to tell them at the end. I'm going to have a number there and they can go back in the book and they go, oh, Chris Johnson did this. Great. And, and here's the – on YouTube where you can find that because I want people to not only look at what I said, go back to the, to the, um, to the original podcast and listen yeah. to it. And, and yeah. to me, that is important because what I'm able to do is give back to everybody who contributed to the book. And, right. and so many times I see books that don't do that. And right. I'm like, where do they get this information from? They must have interviewed everybody. And I'm like, right. well, no. And I, so when I interview somebody, if I interviewed you know, Peggy McCreary, I will say, Peggy says, or if I got a quote from her from somewhere in the past, I'll say, Peggy said. Right. Because I, I don't want to make it so that I'm – I really try not to take – any credit for people for the work other people did because right. there's so much out there that that people deserve some love and right. and and I'm lucky enough to have been able to do a book but if I can bring attention to you or other people who do great podcasts or great work or great you know blogs I'm gonna do that definitely because it can yeah. only make it better because we're in a, a period of so much good um, research so much yes. history important research because we are no longer in the period of what prince is going to do it's what prince has done and it's sad and i it does break my heart saying that right. but now now we reflect on here's his body of work and we can look at it in context and we can start to analyze and build on what we know and expand on that i mean i prefer to him to be playing 
I expected him to be an elder statesman. This is the, when he passed, I thought, well, that doesn't make sense. He should be an 85 year old guy bringing up some young, you know, guitarist saying, listen to this person jam, guy or girl or whoever. That's what you right. expected from him. And, and to not have that feels like the story never got finished. Right. Right. And that's, that's the thing to me is I feel like, wait, no, there's, there's supposed to be another chapter in his right. story. Right. And, and so I, I kind of like everybody else that, that's missing him feel like, wait, there, there's something gone with a book like this. I'm trying to give a chance to look at what we all experienced. And, and granted you were, you were a little young, a little pup, bit of a pup at yeah. the time. Um, but having lived this in real time and uh, it, it, there's something about our generation, at least, you know, you, you have a period where you can look at him and say, I lived this in real time. Right. People coming up in the next generation aren't going to have that experience of getting an album, having a year to soak it in and then going to the next one. And so I want people to see what he did in two years. And when right. you look at 700 freaking pages, that's a heavy book. It's a, it'll throw your back out. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it, you, you can change a tire on your car with that <laughs> or anything. It's, it's big. Um, but it's, it's a big book, but it is, I, I hope people look at it and go, you know, it doesn't seem like it's, it's trying to be big. I actually had to cut 25,000 words out of it. And, and wow. so that's, that's the thing is you're going, Oh my God. When I, when I took it to the publisher, they said, well, you're supposed to deliver about 175 words. I'm like, I got 220, I got 250,000 words in here. And like, well, and I said, I'll get it down to 225. How's that? And they said, okay. But I'm like, and I realized most of the stuff I took out was, I don't say redundant, but things it covered, but it's still, there's so much to it. And I, I had somebody told me the other day, it was 700 pages and they still wanted more. And that made me laugh because I'm going, Either you're a glutton or you want want to make me suffer. <laughs> one of the two. Right, right, right. So. Well, it's a it's a tremendous book, and it's coming out June 10th from Roman and Littlefield Publishers. Yes, yes. Go to Roman.com to check yes. them out. Also, go to DwayneTudal.com to pre-order. And uh, yeah, the link will be in the description box. Um, thank you for reminding me of that. Uh, the link will be in the description box. And to close this out, I just want to say that um, my next uh, my next scheduled podcast is actually a review of the Son of the Times Super Deluxe Vault Tracks with with Dreamy Pop Royalty, uh, who's a friend of the show and been a co-host on a lot of the podcasts we're probably going to do that as an audio podcast so no video unfortunately but it will be uploaded to youtube eventually so i'm looking forward to that i am too i'm looking forward to hearing that i want to hear what you think of the of the, of the album yeah um i'm sure you thought it was okay right yeah it's it's uh it's perpetually tied at number two with love sexy in my personal canon of, like of Prince favorites, um, Purple Rain being the number one because that's just a completely flawless album front to back. I get it. Um, yeah. So that'll be coming up here very soon. Set of the time, super deluxe vault tracks with Dreamy Pop Royalty. Looking very forward to that. Dwayne, I thank you so much for your 
your time and your stories and your insights. Thank you, Chris. And I thank you so much for your friendship and your encouragement. Of course, Chris. I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to uh, your book. I'm looking forward to talking again in three years. <laughs> and um, I, um, thank you again for the review. It was it really you you got one of the first reviews out there, and there's it, it means a lot to me. And and good, let me explain to you to understand the context of that. I'm all about context. Um, a good review makes the publisher understand what this book's about. Because I'll tell you, when I took it to the publisher, they didn't know what to do with it. They were going. I don't know how to publicize it. I'm telling you, there's a market for this. And they're like, well, okay. And it ended up being something they were really proud of. And they won some awards for it. And that makes me really happy. But good reviews on Amazon or other, you know, um, other sites, Barnes & Noble, make it so that when people go to see those things, they see, okay, there's a lot of people that like this. Maybe I should read it. And that makes it so the next book is possible. And And... So when you write things like this, like your what you wrote on that, I I, I got choked up, man, because you, you really you, you put your heart in that. And the funny thing was to me was watching how many people said what a great review it was, and like they were complimenting you on your review. <laughs> <laughs> They're yeah. like reviewing your review. I would give Chris Johnson's review a ten, you know. And I thought that was that to me was fun because it's like yes, and and I was part of that. And so your your review meant a lot to me, and and knowing how. Uh, how heartfelt and how it touched you. And that, that to me is pretty exciting. So yeah. I, I read every review and I, I shouldn't, but I do. Um, and, and it's, it's nice when, when yeah. people connect to things, you know, so, so thank yeah. you. Thank you. Sincerely. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. And I'll be in touch. I actually got an idea for a project to run past you. So um, write me some night. I'm there. Okay. <laughs> you know. Okay. So that sounds good. Don't want to put more on your plate and overfill your plate, but just okay. just run something by you. Please do. Please and, do. Uh, okay. Well, that's. I, I've I've helped several people with questions. I'm always open to people because I again I told you before, a writer a teacher is just somebody who's one step ahead of somebody. I've written a book, so if you want to write a book, maybe I can help machete some of the vines down for you and and, right. and guide you. Right. I'm happy to do that. Happy to do that. So. Right. Well. Thank you so much again for your time. Uh, I appreciate it. I know my listeners and my viewers on YouTube appreciate it. Thank you. And the book is Prince and the Parade and Son of the Time Zero Studio Sessions, 1985 and 1986. It drops June 10th from Roman and Littlefield. And there you go. Go out and get this book. Um, it'll, it'll, uh, It'll be uh, an experience to read for sure. So definitely, definitely pick it up. I would definitely recommend it. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys on YouTube for watching. We'll see you next time. I'm Chris Johnson, and I'm out. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void.
void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.